so guys, before we begin, I just need to do something real quick. Okay, I think my nerves are good now. <laughs> We're all good. We're all good. The, weird, the weirdest thing about that was my, in my screen, the, the whole image sort of oh, shook like it, wow. it, it caught on those, those, those vibes, the gong vibes. Yeah. It's sending cool. it out. The oscillations. Yeah, it was like the whole thing was pulsing. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. You can't make That's it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously, guys, welcome to Witchin' and Bitchin' the podcast. Um, we're your hosts, Darren. And I'm Vicky. Yes, awesome. And we have a special guest here. So she kind of, her reputation goes without saying, but I'm going to give you the little bio just for those who aren't quite familiar with her work. So uh, basically, whoop. So Fiona Horn is one of the world's most respected witches. She's the author of 14 best-selling books on modern witchcraft published over the last two decades, uh, which see her writings and tireless work dispelling negative stereotypes, having a generational impact on the positive evolution of the modern witch. 30 years ago, Fiona launched a career in the entertainment industry as the lead singer of chart-topping Aussie 90s electro-rock band Def FX, before continuing on to be a popular radio and television personality, appearing on many programs around the world. So stepping away from her entertainment career in recent years, she is now a commercial pilot, public speaker, and humanitarian and animal aid worker. Her personal passions include being a world record holding skydiver, professional fire dancer, yoga instructor, free diver, and sailor. So please welcome our special guest, Fiona Horn. Hi, <laughs> Hi guys. So honoured. Is this really your first show? Am I really your first guest? Yes, you are. Yes. Our first special guest. Oh, I'm very honoured. Thank you. So we've just had Asara about a week ago. Blessed Asara. So how, mm. how is it Thank for you. you to celebrate the seasons? Because I know like with being Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, and then being in the Caribbean, being in the tropics, it probably doesn't have necessarily a lot of seasons and things like no that. No seasons in the tropics other than summer and summer. And just <laughs> they're, the two, they're the two seasons in the tropics. <laughs> so do you have an actual favourite summer? Um, I really like the summer. I like the actual storm season. It's when we actually... Um, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary to say that because I've survived two catastrophic yeah. hurricanes in storm season in 2017. But I think that's when you just see some of the really, really, really big thunderstorms that come through, like the, the cracking of, of, of thunder and, and giant shards of lightning shooting through the sky. I mean, there's something very dramatic and thrilling about our storm season, as long as you don't get hit with a hurricane. And then there's also some of the most beautiful, calm, idyllic weather in storm season too it's that kind of calm before the storm thing so and also it's when no tourists are in the the caribbean in in that time it's the least uh touristy time so it's when the locals are really have a time have, have time to have their i guess home to themselves but as far as like celebrating the sabbaths as a witch and you know i started out in the southern hemisphere so there was always that uh, intriguing kind of flip-flop. Okay, the books I'm getting are written in the Northern Hemisphere. Everything doesn't seem to be happening when it's supposed to. Like, I mean, it's not winter in December, so how could it possibly be Yule? Shouldn't that be in June? And shouldn't Litha be in December? And you start to, like, you know, yeah. so get confused with it. But um, even, even recently, a couple of the witchcraft groups that I've joined since I've been based back in Australia these last few months, um, you know, like Australian Witchcraft, which is of all different... Um, Wickers and Witch, Wiccan, uh, Wiccans and Witches Australia, that's another group on Facebook, some really great people sharing ideas and questions and um, still this question of how do we celebrate the Sabbaths? People are still getting confused. And I really think um, that it's about, if you're confused, go outside. What is nature doing? What season yeah. are you in? What, what's happening on the land? What's, what isn't happening on the land? What's the moon doing? What's the, the, what's the day? Like how long are the days? You know, I mean, a, the witches' sabbats are based on astronomical events, solstices and equinoxes. So that's pretty easy. Just go to an astronomical, um, you know, chart and you'll see the dates uh, exactly as pertaining to where you are in the world. Um, and then there's the, you know, the, kind of the rest of the sabbats, the other four are based on um, agricultural events as per happened in the origins of our craft, if we trace it back to Northern European practices. But in the land, what does that mean? When do we sow 
the seeds to yield the crops? I mean, what is, how are our lives reflecting what's going on on the earth? You know, what's rising and falling and, and, and birthing and dying in our lives. And then we can follow through that, the wheel of the year as it turns. That's what it's about. And probably everything I've said then sounds very convoluted, but it isn't. It's very oh, simple. Yeah. yeah. And if you really, if you're really lazy, just Google it and <laughs> you know, it's there. <laughs> You know, I know that's it. That's it's like just Google it. Everything's yeah. there. It doesn't matter what you're yeah. doing. Everything's there. But that's really because that's a lot of what I do now and what we were talking about before. Um, mm. Just looking outside, seeing yeah. what's happening with the trees or whatever. And yeah, what's growing, what's blossoming. What you know, in some parts of Australia, um, I mean, I've been plugging this book a lot lately, but Julie Brett's an Australian writer who wrote a book called Australian Druidry. And I recommend it all the time because she's got this really beautiful, it's the first really cohesive, comprehensive, creative approach to celebrating the Sabbaths in Australia, particularly that I've seen. Um, even, even beyond my own work, you know, if I put my own books and 14 books aside where I've talked about it in most of the books, um, I think Julie's approach is really beautiful. She offers that you create your own wheel of the year and you tie it in with, and you give the Sabbaths different kind of names pertaining to what you're experiencing in the land. And, um, you know, she's even got a Sabbath called Fireburn, which is the hot fire season, you know, like it's, yeah. I love that she's got really creative with it and it's, it's evolving our craft and the way we practice and our relationship with our mother earth, you know, which upon which so much of our magic is dependent and interactive with, you know? So um, I think that uh, what I like to encourage people to do is, yeah, look outside. Uh, you know, when I was living in the Caribbean, like I said, we had two seasons. How do I, so what I would, what I would celebrate is there was a season in the storm season when the flamboyant trees bloom. It's these giant trees that have big canopies and giant red and orange flowers. And, wow. you know, that to me was a really beautiful sign of of the dark mother's vibrant because it's in our dark part of the year but it's yeah. the dark when i say dark i just mean now i'm going to get too too uh complicated dark to me is when when the you become introspective and yeah, that's incredibly that the super hot brutal season of summer in the caribbean even though it's in theory the fire half of the year it's the time where you're most introspective because it's just it's just so hot and you, you get very still and it's um, to me, it meets those, those energies we explore when we go into those contemplative states. Um, so, you know, again, I don't want to get too complicated, but I hope what's coming across is each, which if she has, he, she, or it has any responsibility, it's to um, look outside as we're talking about trust your innate, connection and what your gut's telling you and what you intuitively feel and how it's reflecting in your own life and then offer your celebrations accordingly. Now, if you're practicing in a group or you're part of a coven, it's going to be more cut and dried and you're going to all have to agree on how you do this and maybe sticking to a, a will of the year as established is better, you know, for that reason. But as an eclectic solitary witch, you know, create your, create your relationship in your magical world, the way you feel intuitively guided to. And I think there's, that's, more about being um, the craft of witchcraft, the creative side of witchcraft, you know? I really love that because that's one of the things I've struggled with being a solitary witch. It's like always looking at the books of the people who have written all the stuff before. It's like, mm. I feel that pressure that, oh, I have to celebrate like everyone else. Well, I'm solitary. Does it matter if I'm celebrating like them all differently? And I've never mm. had that epiphany. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I really found, I mean, in 30 years of practice, um, traveling a lot up, you know, north, one minute I'm in the Northern Hemisphere, next in the South, and I lived in the Caribbean for seven years and I'm on the equator. Um, I had to really learn to trust my gut and my relationship with what I was doing. And uh, then it became really powerful. And then things really started to, you know, you really do start to live a dream life, a life beyond your possible imaginings or micro manipulations through various spells and things. It's just really coming into a sense of harmony and alignment and, uh, and that's, that's where the real magic in witchcraft comes through, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's something that's often not talked about either because it's often more along the lines of like the traditional will of the year or traditional mm. and things like that. And then sometimes I guess that's not as internal what's actually right for us. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Yeah. So how do you define a witch? How would you define a witch? Um, 
Well, because of what we were just talking about, I'd define a witch as someone who has, who, who actively and um, sincerely seeks to have a, an intimate magical relationship with nature yeah. um, as we experience this phenomenal natural world of which our physical bodies are born of, Mother Earth. Um, also that someone that has this very strong spiritual life, like a very um, potent spiritual life. Because um, I still, after all these years, relate to my witchcraft as a spiritual path, not a religious path. Yeah. Um, I'll sometimes join Wiccan circles, gatherings, groups, ceremonies, but I'm not Wiccan um, because that is a religion and there's yeah. a very fixed, and, and that's, you know, another reason why Wiccans would potentially celebrate the will of the year in that very um, beautifully orchestrated, established way, because they're creating a, a kind of a group consciousness that's based on a religion you know, and um, for me, it's more spiritual. So which I think is someone that is genuinely um, seeking their unique path and learning and growing and evolving in order to share what they've learned and to be, to, to as this magic grows and this ability, whether it's working with herbs or working with, um, you know, esoteric, more esoteric entities and energies, um, crystals, whatever, whatever they're learning as far as, far as how they're, um, contributing to the, in a co-creative way to the, the healing of, of the earth and our species. Cause I think that's kind of the phase of our evolution that we're in as a species. Now it's about healing and helping. Um, I think, you know, to ensure a, some kind of relevance for our species in the biological scheme of things, but so which would be aligned with that right now in these times and actively seeking to not only improve their own lives, but others as well. Um, and just explore all the brilliant, creative, fun stuff there is to do as a witch. And um, as well as uh, the fascinating side of it, which is the, you know, the shadow work, the darker work, the, in, the inner stuff. And, um, and then the communion with others, you know, our magical community, our international magical community is growing so rapidly. I mean, I said that 20 years ago and I'm saying it even more so now it's even more <laughs> rapid than ever. And I think that's because it's timely. We're, uh, Phyllis Curot, dear friend of mine, amazing witch. Um, you know, she's been around in the public eye for as long as I have. She writes, the world needs her witches now more than ever. And I think that's very true. I guess uh, one of the things that I'd be interested to hear as well is that, because I totally relate to all the things that you're saying <laughs> on such a level. And it's like, for those that are watching on YouTube, you'll see what I'm holding up. But for those that are listening, obviously, <laughs> a new book called The Art of Witch. And like having someone, having been someone who's read a lot of your work over the years, mm. found that this book kind of hit home on so many levels in a way that the others, not that they didn't, but this one kind of summarized everything so elegantly because it's something that I've often struggled with when you read so many books and you try to be like the book smart witch that reads everyone's books and tries to, you know, adopt whatever works. But then oftentimes you feel like you don't quite align or that you're having to constantly reinvent yourself over the years. And I think mm. this one, just sums that up so beautifully about transformation and what that means to you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you, you got that impression from it. It was something, um, you know, that isn't like a manifesto. It's something that I thought uh, when it came, the opportunity came along, wrote it, I hadn't been expecting I would write another book necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this is one of the things when you're aligned with the universe and you manage to get your own ego and even concept of self out of the way, and just let things present themselves. And so you, like I was talking about in Art of Witch, you know, you, mm. magic is the art of creating change with will. How often have we used that term, that Alistair Crowley invented term? It's like, but what about if magic is the art of changing will, uh, ch changing with will, and yet will becomes part of the word willing. And willing is, mm. um, you know, willing to show up, willing to learn, willing to do whatever's presented. And that was... Um, a big reason why Art of Witch came out, I think, because the opportunity presented itself. So I thought I wasn't looking for it. So I thought I must be meant to do this. And then it was a journey writing that book for me to really just think about the last 30 years and what's changed. And um, if I put together some kind of manifesto that, that wove together all the facets and humbly offered that, would it be useful? And so I'm thrilled that you um, like it and found it useful. Oh, absolutely. You know? 
Yeah, definitely. That's, that's hoping to do. Kind of weave it, weave it together, but leave like t- just this is what works for me, and at the same time, leave tons of room for individuals to apply it to their own practices. You know, and maybe uh, uh, it would help them explore their own practices with more confidence. You know. Yeah, that's what I think it is. It's not that like you give permission to do that, but it just somebody else can see and go, oh, okay, I can explore that way. And I am still a witch if I'm doing these kind of things. Because Absolutely. Like yeah, stereotype. and it's, I think that's, that's the key to our survival is our diversity and our willingness to grow and change and evolve. And, you know, yeah. again, magic is the art of creating change with will. That statement was written, I don't know how long ago now, 80 years or something. I was say, yeah. um, so it's time to, to expand the concept of what is will. I think we all realize that the finite human mind, um, you know, the Vicky Darren Fiona mind is, is a human construct We're spirits having a physical experience and we've manifested, we've, we've chosen to come into this world as witches, you know, and, and take that path, forge that path. So it's really important that we allow ourselves to grow and evolve. Our only mistake would be to, to not try to explore our magical capacities and trust our innate witch guide inside and, um, Mm. You know, and, and like I said earlier, there's always opportunities to come together with groups, to come together with a plan and say, let's yeah. do it this way and explore what happens. And some of the traditionals, like, like my dear friend Brian Kane's written this amazing book, Initiation into Witchcraft, and he's an Alexandrian witch. And it's really, it's Alexandrian witchcraft. And that's another way to explore it, you know, and um, it's fascinating because he talks about very specific methods and means. Um, that have evolved from Alexander's and Maxine Sanders back in yeah. the 60s, you know. So it's like, there's room for that too. And it's essential as well. I think for me personally, one of the most vibrant and exciting parts of our spiritual um, world that we explore as witches is that it is changing and evolving and adapting and growing. And I think that's essential mm. right now because there's so much change going on in the world. And <laughs> a lot of it's very <laughs> traumatic and very um, up confronting. And, you know, I, I feel very blessed to be a witch and have my personal toolbox to deal with this mm. shit, you know, it's like, yeah, and, and trust that it's actually for the good. And there's something really profoundly amazing that's going to come of it, mm. you know. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, like one of the things that I picked up on, I, I've seen a couple of interviews with you over, the, over recent times, as well as I think you touched on it in the art of witch as well. It's that there's also there, we went through a phase, I felt as a community where there was this pressure to project this publicly accepted version of what it is to be a witch like we had to constantly mm. you know project this white witch and even defend and say oh i'm a white witch and we had to identify mm. with this label that's yeah. given us. Yeah. but then i loved how you expressed that you're allowed to experience things like anger and hate and things like that like mm. you, is it okay too like yeah you are you happy to elaborate a little bit on that because i'd love for our yeah yeah you know that was one of the feedback i main bits of feedback i got from art of witch was that um I start a chapter with, you know, now a few words about a very powerful emotion, hate. And I said, I hate two people and I know who yeah. they are and I'm not, it's okay to experience that emotion of hate and not have to, uh, as long as it doesn't become a destructive um, self-sabotaging attachment yeah. to it. It's a very yeah. powerful emotion that when, you know, tapped into channel and, and tapped into explored and channeled to a degree, it, be, it can be a very cathartic healing emotion too when you move through the layers of it, understand what it is and, and, uh, and, and even decide to allow it to accept and exist and accept it live and let it live and exist in your life um, in a way that you are uh, mindful and, and, um, and, and learning with and from. Um, but yeah, as far as like over the years, you know, the image of the witch, um, certainly in my public life, I had to at different times present very kind of, bubblegummy type white witch you mean like you this know, one <laughs> which, which one are you holding up yeah you know i mean that god you know goddess bless random house i mean incredibly that book has just been i've just rewritten that book and reworked it and spent the last year creating a new book based on that book and it's called it's it's called magic youth a handbook a witchcraft for a new generation and its cover is black so, <laughs> beautiful it comes yes. out in february and it's very very black um <laughs> black with red and gold on it but um but yeah I no random house available is it yeah it's there's a, there's a sneak preview of it out on uh, rockpool publishing as my publisher's website they they talked me into doing it and i realized not, not so much talked me into it they said would you you know be interested in reworking this one and and uh and it just seemed like, well, this is happening. I obviously I need to show up and do it, you know. And um, 
at these times where I've been working on these books these last years, I've also been working flying in airplanes for my job. So it's been a lot to kind of carve out the time. And yet uh, I know that it's, you know, it's a, it's a divine gift to be able to put some things in print and share ideas and thoughts and hopefully perform a useful service in the world. And uh, especially as our craft continues to grow and, and evolve, but getting back to the image stuff um, back in those days, like 20 years ago when life's a witch came out and, Random House made that bubblegum pink cover and some of the lovely teenagers that came in um, and did the cover shoot with me, I'm still in touch with as friends, they're adults now, you know, and um, there was a lot of beautiful energy around that. Um, but the pink to them was important because it felt, they felt it needed to, they needed to, yeah, buy into the stereotype that there are good witches and bad witches and make sure that everyone knew I wasn't a bad witch. And that kind of pink, white bubblegum cover image went on for a while. And, you know, that's where I think when my career started to become about being a public witch and I was doing a lot of TV stuff pertaining to it, there was a book being published every year pretty much. Um, after 10 years of that, it was, I felt like, you know, am I, there's a point where you know you want to do things to be useful and plus it's become your career. So you're trying to put food on the table, pay your rent, pay your bills, you know. Yeah do the thing, do the usual things. And, um, and it was, it just started to become really uh, exhausting and I felt really quite lost in it all. And uh, I did an autobiography in 2017, The Naked Witch. And that was the first of this stepping back into writing again after pretty much not writing for a good five or six years. Um, but, you know, in The Naked Witch, I got to explore my life, look back at it and uh, write, you know, this, autobiography as, as I've come to the half century mark and and I can see where the best day in my witchcraft career was when it stopped being my career you know and yeah. and it became something that was me again and uh, and then it went through this huge evolution like this massive massive evolution of personal practice and where I really started to realize that it's not about me and changing the world to suit me it's about me being useful in the world and being of service and that's where the real magic lies. And that really does tap into what were the original witches, midwives, healers, herbalists, like shamans. Like we were always the healers and, and the people that were there, that uh, the individuals that people came to for guidance and help or support. So when I redefine my practice to be more about that, less about me and more about how I could be useful, then really magical shit started to happen. It was <laughs> kind of extraordinary. And then, you know, I got really involved in the humanitarian aid work then and the animal uh, rescue work and everything. And I was just, you know, I had very little as far as, you know, I would say I own nothing except my freedom and my happiness um, and my willingness to, to be useful and show up in the world. And then the book offers started to happen. And then work as a pilot, started to come through and everything just kind of grew again and everything became, um, you know, just the ne next level witchcraft, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think was the, what was the actual catalyst for that evolution? Cause it is like, when you read the book, I saw mm. like Darren was saying that it's so different to, and it's also so different to anything else that's out there. Um, mm. added as well. Was there sort of a point that you were mentioning then where it was becoming your job and not so much about you anymore. Was there a point that kind of really a catalyst for that mm. change? I just think That's that a natural kind of, yeah, the last, I just felt like, um, Oh, there was so much going on in my personal life too. That wasn't aligned with living a, an effortless, um, not effortless, but living, living a, a fulfilled, you, you don't always have to be happy. I mean, it's, you know, being the best life is not the happiest life. It's the most fulfilled life. When you're going through deep grief, um, a, a, a very close family member of mine passed two weeks ago and the grief was so, you know, just so overwhelming. And I've kind of put it aside now, but, you know, and I still felt fulfilled in my grief. Yeah. I felt anchored in my grief. Um, grateful that my grief node helped me know how much I love this person. And, you know, it's, um, it's not always about being happy. It's a, you know, so, you know, when I think about the catalyst of what made me realize um, that I just didn't want to be a public witch anymore, and maybe I shouldn't be a public witch anymore was uh, I think it was around 
I was around a time where I'd written another book and, but I was just feeling increasingly lost and, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really know how else to explain it. There's a whole lot of stuff, just life. And then when I talk to it, yeah, but when I talk to other witches who, um, you know, like who've been around for a while, you know, I'm 54 in physical years now. And I I think of other witches that are are my mentors that are now in their seventies, you know, that I look to for guidance, the original witches, when I was a witchling, they were, you know, the mature and now they're, they're like, you know, they're all, they always say that, you know, you kind of come out, you come in and (laughs) then if the goddess still has work for you to do, you'll come out again. You know, there's a point where, you know, you're, it's essential that you be a teacher that's part of the, or, or some kind of um, mentor in some way. That's part of the, the, the journey. It's not about being high priest or high priestess of a coven. It's about, it, it can be if you're in a coven and you're, you're working through your stages to get to that. But as far as an individual eclectic solitary, which whatever, um, there is a point where we're actually, will be called upon to share our magic and you got to be ready for that calling. And I think when I took it all in and and just kind of worked on myself and kind of evolved through really, really walking the talk and not just talking about it. Um, then all of a sudden I'm being called back into the public eye again and being given these beautiful opportunities to uh, take action like this upcoming tour I'm doing it. And the tour I did last year, there, there were opportunities to connect with people, communicate with people, um, it's not like, it's not like the days of being in a band where you go on tour and you, you know, you have hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people and it's just full on and it's your job. These tours I'm doing now aren't, aren't my job. Um, they're something where it's an opportunity to connect and communicate with others and share sacred space together. Um, it's a, it's a particular privilege for me to meet up with people who come to the events who are, um, you know, it might be someone who did read Life's a Witch all those years ago and they're bringing their teenage daughter with them or something you know and it's just to know you've had that generational kind of impact on people's lives is really um humbling and beautiful so i there's a lot of that kind of and i think when we come together in confidence as a magical community then we share it we're putting that energy out into the world and even indirectly we're helping heal and and uh and guide guide you know put some good energy out there that is helping guide the human race right now I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's because I think that Vicky, you were saying to me that that was one of the things that you, that you really took from the book when we were speaking yesterday about it. Um, yeah. it be like the whole shift to being of service to other people. Um, mm. It's like when you finally find that calling of how it's not about what can I like do in front of you? It's like, what can I do for you? Yeah. Like, you kind of get yeah. that power and energy. Yeah. And then, then stuff gets really, really magical. It's like, um, really extraordinary things start to happen and you don't have to second guess or doubt it anymore. It's, it's happening. It's real, you know, it, and, um, and it's much more brilliant and, and extraordinary than special effects magic, you know, it's, yeah. it really is. <laughs> I don't know if it's a topic that is up for discussion, but it's just something that came to me because like, obviously Vicky and I approached you because you're someone that we looked up to mm. when growing up as little witchlings yeah. growing up in the world. Yeah. And you just mentioned on it now the people that you look up to, like who did you look up to in your witchling days? Is it something that? I had, um, well, it's to actually be able to meet people in person. Um, when I was coming into it, it was, uh, you know, we're in Australia. And so a lot of the people I was looking to like Ray Buckland and yeah. people like that were overseas. And, um, but there was one woman here, Lai Warren Clark, that I ended up meeting a few times and I mean, Facebook friends with her now. And she's definitely someone I would consider, you know, you know, just an extraordinary powerful witch and, and a real, real mentor. And in the sense of, I don't have to call her all the time, but it's just knowing she's there and um, having some communication with her every now and again is, and just watching how she lives, you know, and, and her principles of her magic and her practical life find very inspiring. Um, but say someone like Ray Buckland, you know, who wrote the complete book of witchcraft, the big blue book that, you know, is ever yeah. back in those days was everyone's go-to and still is, you know, to be asked to like the, the custodians of his museum have asked me, they'd like to do a Fiona Horn display in Ray's museum. Oh, Ray wow. contributed a piece to the book that Darren's got pop goes the witch. Yeah. Um, Ray contributed a piece that like, so even if I haven't stood in front of them, but having communication with them is, um, 
you know, really, really amazing. Oberon Zells, another gentleman who I ended up doing Hexfest with, it was a huge honour to meet him because him and Morning Glory back in the day, the Green Egg and all those really early pagan magazines, that was stuff I was looking at then. I mean, it might all sound quite random in a sense because, uh, but maybe not, maybe you guys know about these people, but but these were the people that um, really, uh, really kind of I looked up to back then. Bill Beatty, who's now Liam Kiffrin, who lives in New York, um, he was the original editor of Shadowplay magazine. He even helped me edit some of my early books. He's yeah. always been someone um, that I've looked up to greatly. And then also there's Phyllis Curat, who I mentioned earlier. Um, she's a little bit older than me, but um, when I was coming out of the broom closet in the public eye and she had her book of shadows that was out in America, it was like a number one New York Times bestseller. She's a New York lawyer writing books about witchcraft and we became very close friends and still are. And, I'm just so inspired by her um, and her work. She does so much uh, work uh, to do with shaman natural shamanic work as far as um, and, and really, really sort of uh, politically active work too with her background as a lawyer. And um, and then she has the Temple of Ara, which is, you know, a group of, that's been going for a long time that really brings people together um, in a magical way. So, you know, I, I can keep thinking about it and keep thinking people, Christian day who's younger, but I mean, I could go on and on, so I'll stop. But, um, <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, this is one of the reasons I'm kind of waffling on and saying a bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. And you guys can say you're a big influence. Well, there was something unique about me that all those people that I just mentioned didn't have, except mm -hmm. maybe Phyllis. Um, I had a major bloody profile. I was like, you know, rock star, TV, radio, witch, and yeah. so I was everywhere. So it was very easy for you guys to identify and go, oh, you know, lucky me, you liked what I was offering. Mm -hmm. um, but that's one thing I look back and I think that's quite unique when I look at the career arc I had was just how much in the public eye I was, how I, I kind of, and I think Goddess wanted it to be like that. I think the universe yeah. intended it to be that way. Yeah. I copped a ton of flack. I got copped so much shit <laughs> from people. Um, but, you know, I think it was meant to be that way, to be that public witch and to, to dance that kind of dance in the public eye, um, to be presented as this, you know, white witch personality. And then, yeah. But be in this beautiful position to then work towards dispelling the neg negative stereotypes. And now it's so wonderful to see how our community's evolved. And we don't need to be whitewashing it or saying no. what it isn't anymore. We say what we are. And yeah. we are witches. And, you know that's the bottom line. And a lot of our work is shadow work. That's part of our path. It's part of how we know, you know, it's the cycles. It's, it's Samhain. It's, it's what we have to do. We have to go into that dark half and, and um, do that inner work and do that, do that harder, explore those darker emotions and energies and understand their role in our lives. And, you know, it's all part of it. One of the things I find so fascinating is that like when a witch talks about shadow work, everyone's like, <gasps> gasp, but when a psychologist or a life coach or any of those types of people, because I'm a life coach as well, but like when yeah. you talk about shadow work, it's so much more accepted to talk about the shadow self when you're talking about it from a coaching or a psychological. Yeah, that's right. It? It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess we'll, we'll just keep chipping away at those negative stereotypes, but we don't want to dilute our, um, no. our, our side of what we do too. And I mean, we, we explore, the world of um, myth and lore, for want of a better term, terms, um, in a unique way too, and as witches. And I think that's, um, I think as witches, we're more willing to explore our mortality as well. There's so much more that the, the symbolism of death and, and rebirth is very potent in our lives. We don't whitewash it or, or run away from it. Mm. Um, and I think that's another thing that maybe kind of comes across as scary sometimes, but but it's not, it's all part of life, you know? Yes, and that's the thing, it's a part of all of the whole life. And when we kind of pick out these mm. little bits, that's when it, mm. you fall apart a little bit because it's not part of the whole. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, Fiona, do you have any advice for, because obviously times have changed. Like, I mean, if I was to just briefly refer to Pop Goes the Witch, like this was written some time ago now, but it was like the disinformation guide to 21st century witchcraft. Yeah. This like was in the early 2000s. Now we're at 2020. So you could almost rewrite this entire book, not a challenge. Not <laughs> <laughs> what, 
but like I was having a flick through this in preparation for this interview and I was even looking at the back like Vicky and I spoke about it in private one time where we used to be signed up for Witchvox. Now that doesn't exist anymore. They used yeah, to- no, I know. I looked up Witchvox yeah. the other day. Yeah, I was actually going to rec. I was actually going to recommend it in my Teen Magic book, the new one, because I thought it was still going. And I looked at it and said, like, "Oh my god, it's gone." Yeah, and that's it crazy, up. isn't it? I remember you were on the front cover of um, Spellcast magazine here in Australia. Yeah, that's yep. not around anymore. And there was and there was Witchcraft magazine in yeah. Australia. My girlfriend Lucy Cavendish, who was called Sharon, well, Lucy Cavendish was doing doing that back then, and. Yeah, and then um, there's Sheeda Monteford still does magic magazine. She kind of produces that herself. And then over in America, there was New Witch, which yeah. was really popular for a while, and that went away. I mean, it's my girlfriend Tonya has an online magazine called Witchway Magazine, which she sometimes prints out as um as as a hard copy magazine, but it's an online an e-zine. I think we're in the world of e-zines now. Yeah. But yeah, it's um. Okay. Yes, I didn't mean to cut you off then, but yeah, it's amazing how there's so many things have gone, but so many things have come in its place. Yeah, but that's actually, that Mm. segues into what I was actually going to say next, because like Mm. now with like Vicky and I have shared stories with each other, we had a similar past where in order to get a book about witchcraft, (laughs) almost hide yourself and creep in and (laughs) no one saw you and like, and then you saw other magazines, all that stuff. But um, like now as times have changed, like obviously as you've said in many interviews, you can just type in witches of Instagram, which I follow. And it's like, bang, you're hit with everything. A million, a million hits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I think one of the challenges in, in our times is, um, is to not let that, um, the amount, we're just so out there now, like, you know, yeah. and not let it dilute our occult hearts. So shall we say like, cause, yeah. cause our path is occult, which is secret hidden. And when it's out there in that massive way, there's some really beautiful gifts that come with that because it brings people together. It gives people touchstones. It celebrates community. Um, And at the same time, it's very easy to get distracted in the um, passive role. I mean, like I I talk about a little bit in the team, which the new team, which book I've done a whole new section on social media and, um, and what that represents for us as witches and, uh, and also how to avoid bullying online and fake, you know, covens and just, there's a lot of, I've got a whole big section in the new book about it. Um, practicing witchcraft on the internet, you know, but, um, I think there's, there's something very wonderful about celebrating, you know, taking a selfie or a picture of a tarot card and a, and a crystal and a, you know, um, but if it just stops at a picture to get a certain amount of hits or likes, then, then that's that's kind of like a dead end and it becomes a bit of a corrosive energy in our craft. And then what I'm loving seeing though is so many people are offering, like, you know, doing the Oracle readings online and you, um, and they'll put these beautiful meanings and having just created an Oracle deck myself, it's like I love seeing how other people interpret it and they go to so much trouble to write this long description on Instagram under the card of what they interpret from the card they've pulled from my deck. And I learn from them and, and so the it becomes very reciprocal that the teacher is learning from the student is learning from the teacher is learning from the student. It's, it's very beautiful. I think that's part of how our magical, um, the magical side of our craft grows. But when, when social media, um, you know, as you say, type in hashtag, which is Instagram and a million hits come up um, when it becomes a passive uh, or approval seeking kind of exercise, Oh, I'm a real witch if I've got 200 likes. Oh, I'm a real witch if I've got 200,000 likes. I'm a more real yeah. witch if I've got 200,000 likes. And I'm, you know, I'm obviously not of the era that grew up with this stuff, but the kids that are born into this, and this is their first experience of interacting with other witches, um, I, 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 I hope and I would, I would think it's important to help them understand that the real magic comes from actually doing the work, uh, not sharing a selfie on Instagram about it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's all, it's all, it all is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Nice um, segue. I was going to say, you must be psychic because, like, literally, <laughs> the next place we were going to go is <laughs> your oracle deck. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not waffling on too much then. Not no, at all. no, go for it. <laughs> not at all. I, I could literally just let you sit here. <laughs> no, don't, because we'll be here all afternoon and I'm supposed to, my boyfriend's waiting for me to go. He's supposed to take me on a date this afternoon. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. 
That's big. That's very, I'm outing myself there now, aren't I? Oh my God. <laughs> well, the segue that I was going to go with was like, obviously, because you've written so many books now and like now I'm so excited to know that you've got more books coming because I have, when, yes, when I there was no more, I was like, thank you. Thanks guys. <laughs> I'm not ready for this journey to end. Um, what advice do you have for someone that wants to express their voice, whether it be writing a book or writing a blog mm. post, writing a podcast or, or mm. even creating an Oracle deck? Like what advice could you give them? Like what's that little golden nugget wisdom of like a, a Fiona's wisdom? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, my number one wisdom for writing it all is, um, and I've said this all along, whether you're writing a book, whether you're writing a blog, whether you're writing a post on Facebook or Instagram is, um, let your, well, maybe not so much with Instagram and Facebook posts, different thing. Put that aside for a minute. When you're writing anything that's more than just a few lines, um, like you're trying to maybe create a blog or, or, a, or actually write a book or um, a course outline or contents of a course, don't um, erase anything. Like don't censor yourself. One of the things, I mean, how did I get to writing, write 14 books and, and the cards and God knows how many articles and emails and just so much stuff I've written over the years um, pertaining to this. And it's by not censoring myself too much by writing and don't rub it out. Don't go, Oh, that shit. Fuck it. I'm erasing that. Leave it, leave it for at least 24 hours, go back and read it. And you'll probably see that you were actually tapping into some nuggets of wisdom that even though at the time it felt like you were just writing shit, actually it was something very beautiful and profound. And, you know, you can always extract the kernel of, of wisdom and um, great writing out of something like that. So I'd, I'd say um, never erase anything writing if you, but you know, obviously if you're doing a post on Instagram, you might want to clean it up before you hit send on it. Um, but I think the, the next thing is in these modern times, what's really great. I think that it's great and it's confronting because everyone can be their own publisher now, you know, you can, yeah. Back when I started, um, I was really old school. You know, I wrote my first book on a typewriter and I sent in a slab of paper that thick, you know, in 19, 1997. That yeah. was what I put in. I printed out my book and put it in a big fat envelope and posted it off to Sydney to the publishers. I was in Melbourne at the time and sat on the post office steps and cried because I'd sent my baby off. And <laughs> it's all very romantic and very dramatic. And nowadays you can just put together what you want uh, pay someone, you know, on some kind of online editing service to edit you and then you can be published within moments on CreateSpace or, or you know, whatever it is. Uh, is it Kindle for Amazon now have it or whatever they're called? Yeah, it's just, you know, there's just so many. Um, so I think what's really exciting and really great is um, to, to trust your voice Number one, see, am I just raving on about myself or could this be useful in some way? Maybe try to identify your motives. Mm -hmm. And then if you actually can find a way to make the motive about just a little bit of service, something useful, something you're offering, not just about what am I getting out of it, but what can I actually give? And that determines the success of this pro project. Not so much what I'm going to get back, but how much will it give? So when you can flip your, your thinking on, on, you know, why you're doing it, then I think naturally the universe starts to conspire in your favor. It, it picks up your, you're a beacon, you're a light, and it starts to help shine that light on your path. And the words come easier, the opportunities come in. And, and if you can just get out of the way, get your ego out of the way, then it all flows through. Um, that's kind of, so that would be the tips I would give for writers and also just to write and, um, I'm kind of a bit disorganized. I could probably be a lot more organized and have a blog and have a Patreon channel and be out there a lot more than I am. <laughs> you know, um, I'm kind of lucky that I've got a bit of a platform of the last, you know, and I've got my humble 10,000 followers on Facebook, but these days, you know, it's, you know, if you've got 200,000 followers, you're considered, you know, kind of relevant and I've got 10, you know, it's, <laughs> but I think that the 10 that I have actually look at what I write and actually yeah. care about what I'm yeah. doing. And I think that's a big difference, you know, so the, um, for people now, I know I'm waffling on a bit, but I would say oh. just enjoy and explore all the, the amazing medium of, of, um, digital publishing that you can these days. And, um, but yeah, first and foremost, be patient and kind to yourself as a writer. Don't rub anything out. Like, like try to read it the next day. Don't decide anything shit, um, until you've given it at least a day to percolate. And then um, 
build a bit of a profile online and uh and just do the work just just and then as far as like sorry i'm waffling on i'm just also thinking you know i'm just helping there's a writer that because i do readings i still offer readings i don't really advertise it but through word of mouth people will contact me and i've been doing readings for the last 20 years but lately in the last 10 years it's been a big part of my life and i have clients all over the world that i read the cards for and i'm privileged to share their lives for a period of time as i help them navigate obstacles or challenges or whatever and a couple of them are writers or want to be writers so i've helped one girl um get her book proposal together and because i think her idea is really really good um and i'm going to give it to my publisher with my endorsement wow. so you know when i can i i do that too yeah. and i've, I've helped get a couple of people published in that way that's honestly the definition of being of service. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Well, I just, yeah, you know, you just know, sometimes you just know I'm meant to do this and I'll just do it even though I'm really, really busy and it's, it's, and I don't charge her for it. It was just like, I wanted to help her because I think that what she's offering is a really beautiful thing and um, I want to help her. So it just feels like I should because I can, <laughs> so I will, <laughs> you know, and, and so that's, that's also, as a witch, I think that's a magical act because again, it's identifying where you can be a service. And it's not like um, a little bit like paying it forward, I guess, but the way I live, I don't, I don't um, like I meant to what I said earlier, I, I own nothing except my freedom and my happiness. And I, uh, so I, I live a pretty simple life. I don't, you know, own much stuff. Um, certainly nothing big, like no house, no car, no debt because I paid it off and I don't incur anymore. Um, you know, so keep life really simple as I can. Um, and that allows me more freedom to uh, help others and be available and be useful in the world too. So, um, but, you know, life can get really busy. But if you, I just find if I don't determine by what I'm getting back from it, but what it's contributing, then the universe always takes care of me. I always end up in another great house or I'm flying someone else's awesome, beautiful airplane or someone gives me their car to drive for a week and it, it all just kind of works out. Yeah, it's funny. I was cracking jokes with Vicky earlier that, like, you know, you being a commercial pilot now, I said, "Can you imagine if you just <laughs> on the plane and then you hear this? This is your captain, Fiona Horn speaking, and I would <laughs> just die." <laughs> a couple of times, a couple of times, I had um, I had passengers that worked out who I was. I mean, I was overseas, but sometimes people would know who it was, and it was I was flying in the Caribbean commercial operations, particularly for the last two years for a busy. In, I was a busy international Caribbean charter pilot flying people all over the Caribbean. Um, yeah. And sometimes they'd, they'd find out. And then when my boss um, knew I was a witch, he said, Oh, I don't care what you call yourself as long as you fly the airplane safely. And I said, well, the airplane's a lot more comfortable than a broomstick. And he, he laughed and we had a bit of a joke, but um, at the end of the day, operating an airplane and doing it to commercial standards is a whole other you know, yeah. thing. Um, and you know, that's, I lost my job with, uh, I had a great job and I resigned from the one job I had and I, um, that was the passenger operation. I wanted to start flying a bigger airplane with a bigger engine, PT6 engine. So I went, I got another job flying a Cessna caravan for a drop zone in California. I was just going to build turbine time. It was a great airplane to do that after years flying twin pistons. And, um, and then COVID happened over in California. So I literally, I had been checked out, um, offered the job, accepted the job, one of the last handshakes to happen before we weren't allowed to touch each other anymore <laughs> this is when my boss offered me the job and I shook his <laughs> hand. And then the next weekend when I was supposed to start work, it was all over, you know, California shut down and I then started to think, what do I do? And ultimately it led me back to Australia and there's no flying work here. So no. for me now, so there's nothing. So, um, so I'm finding that, Oh, I'm here and I'm grateful to be here. And I, you know, there's been some sad changes in my family's, life but it's brought us closer together which is uh you know good um so you know i just i think okay well i'm obviously meant to be doing witchy stuff now because that's what's resonating and really growing you know so i'll do it i'll do it for as long as it seems appropriate and when it's not i'll stop i feel like if anything that's what kind of what the world needs right now because like we we need the world needs Mm. doing and and yeah healers of the world so like it needs more of us to kind of answer the call so to speak yeah and be and be creative in how we offer it because as witches it might be you might do a spell for someone or you might do um you might just listen to someone who's having a hard time and and maybe offer you know some um some of our version of healing advice and or um 
you know, you might uh, volunteer somewhere or, or, you know, as much as you can, given the various restrictions going on. And I know in Victoria, people are having a very tough time and, you know, but you do what you can. Um, and yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so it is a time to um, find the, the beauty and the gifts of these, uh, you know, deeply challenging times as, as the fabric of humanity is literally ripped out from under its feet, you know, and I have a pretty alternative narrative about what's actually going on in the world right now. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's a responsibilities, which is we know that the world answers according to the questions we ask of, but we know that, um, you know, it's more than anyone. I think we know that what we think tends to happen. So um, it's our responsibility to, to find the light in all of this because we do do the shadow work. We know that it's right now, it's, it's, there's a time of great darkness in the world and we can offer those guiding lights out of it, through it and out of it. Yeah. Wow. Now I've kind of, I feel like we've kind of, I went on a tangent. To talk about the we did go on a tangent. How are we doing with time, guys? Are we, are we, what time is it in the, in the physical world right now? How long have we been talking world, for? Uh, so we've been talking for approximately, oh, I think, Really? I think we've been a bit, well on camera. I think we've been just under an hour, but that's okay. Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe we should wrap it up with some lucky last questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, the actual question we we're going to ask is so that we can introduce our viewers to some of the mm -hmm. amazing working Oracle deck. Would you be willing to do a little shuffle for us? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, psychic that I am with it, with help, um, I think Vicky's got cards, hasn't she? I so maybe she can shuffle them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Darren, you can say to stop and then I'll read the card. That's it. Let me know. Stop. I'm a terrible shuffler too, by Whoop. the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought you looked great. All right. What one? Did you pick the one on top? Ooh, yes, I did. Okay, great. What is Gloria, it? Gloria, honour yourself. Ooh. Oh, lovely euphoria on yourself. Yeah. You know, I think um, in light of what we've been talking about, when you look at the image on the card, she's the maiden with, with the snakes. Like she's like Medusa, but the snakes are swans. Like she's sort of the swan feather snake countenance of the white goddess. So um, definitely about the, the meditation that goes with that is um, visualizing going to a, a deep place in the earth, like a, a, a temple and there's a, a big white snake there and she has a message for you. And uh, that's the ritual work you can do with it and see what the message is, what the meditation is. And it's like a guidance to how to honor yourself um, in order to uh, read it for the purposes of this, um, of this pool, I would say, because Darren pulled it, that Darren, this is a time for you to, uh, you know, we've been talking very much about being of service and uh, helping others, but there's a very good saying, you can't carry another man's bag if your own arm is broken. So there's an element of healing and yeah. honouring, um, realising that if your cup is not full, you know, you shouldn't be offering it around to a lot of people to have a sip out of it. It's like try to balance the energies of what you're giving and, and what you're actually nourishing within yourself. So it is the card of self-nourishing. And I, I just, every, every card in the deck has a, um, has a ritual that goes with it and a meditation that goes with that one's really beautiful. Um, I was, I was kind of, the way I created the cards was, um, I worked with a wonderful artist at Marcella Bolivar. She's in Colombia. So through the virtual world, we she allowed me to go into her body of artwork and create 30, take 36 images to turn into the cards. And then it was like, I started to dream about them and have these visions and, and, you know, I just had to get out of the way really and let it all come through and then add my practical advice on top of it. Um, but it was an amazing experience to create the magic of your Oracle. And I'm, just received the most beautiful feedback from people. And it is, it is a shadow work deck. It's a dark yeah, deck, yeah, that's what I especially, love especially for the uh, individual witch. Like it really is the card for the reader to pull for themselves, you know, but, um, but Darren, yeah, I don't know if you relate to that, but that card is, was pulled for you um, because, you know, you need to sort of nourish yourself a bit more and uh, not be putting it out there so much. And that yeah. actually does that resonate like a you. lot. <laughs> I was about to say, that sounds exactly like <laughs> I'm literally spreading so. myself. Well, I'm not spreading myself too thin, but I'm, I've got my finger yeah. in a lot of pies at the moment, trying to just mm. help in every way that I can, because it's like, for me, I'm in Melbourne. I yeah. use fitness classes in person. All of those people want to exercise. So I'm like teaching so many classes online and yeah. stuff and just everything. And I'm like, okay, 
He already said, take a step back. I will... <laughs> and, the, and the other thing about the ritual in the card, there's a beautiful um, part of it that's like self, it's like give yourself a massage. So use um, and actually maybe infuse what you're using um, with crystal if you can, like mica or something um, that energetically can, uh, I mean, I, I love putting the mica into creams and applying it because it, it does, I think it harmonizes your energy as well as um, it puts a beautiful sheen on your skin that allows you to sort of step into a visually glowing countenance. So you can, I mean, I think it's like a physical assist to achieving a, um, a transcendental state of self. Mm. Um, so you have to try it to see what I mean. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's really, it's, but the other, the other way you can do it as well is, um, it's just, it's just the self-massage, self-love, um, but doing it in, in a sacred way and understanding that as you nourish your physical form, um, it's, it's a seed of your soul. You know, it's the temple in which your soul resides, your physical body. So it's not you per se, but it is the temple in which your soul resides. So treat it with great respect and love, nourish it, and, uh, and then you become able to be more useful in the world by doing that. It's ironic that you picked up on, on Micah because that was actually Micah Wolfbane was going to be my pen name. Should I ever write a book? Oh, How interesting. <laughs> wow. Wow. Like literally, yeah. and that, that was really the name that came to when I was, do it. Yeah. When I was reading yeah. Life the Witch, and I remember I was reading other books as well by some of the other authors that I followed over the years, and one of them was about picking your magical name, and, and, and I thought, I'm not going to do the whole witch's name thing, but sort of, but I won't. But I never really used it, but I thought I'm going to make it like a pen name. And it was mm -hmm. Micah Wolfbane. And I it love it. It's the best name, name ever. Germany, and yeah. I was... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> love it. Love it. I did pick up in a couple of interviews and stuff with your Oracle deck that you kept mentioning that it was your first. Does that yes. mean it may possibly be another? Well, you, you, you're now the psychic one because my <laughs> publishers did say to me just the other day, would I be open to doing another Oracle deck, but more geared towards uh, team witchcraft. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess obviously because they're going to bring the book out, but they think there might be an opportunity for me to create a deck that would relate, would speak to that. But, you know, let's all, I think we can, we can know that, um, like say when I was editing Life Switch, this last year and rewriting it and I pretty much it's a new book I mean it's so rewritten but I actually really enjoyed going back and reading that I learned a lot again there's a lot of stuff you kind of gloss over after a while yes, and you kind of forget you know yeah you know when you become like a student again like I'm like for example I'm a yoga instructor been doing it for ages but it's like even if you're instructing yoga and then, you know, in, in lockdown, I went, I've been through the six weeks of coming out to Australia. I had to ISO in a hotel room for two weeks and ISO in a house for two weeks. And I was just alone so much for those six weeks of just being able to get out here through the whole COVID thing. And um, so I was doing my own practice. But if, if, when you do your own practice, you tend to sort of do the practice that you feel like doing on the day. Yeah, You're not really, you know, and I think. But, and then you become a student again. Like now I'm a student at a studio here and I'm so, I'm loving being a student again and not being the teacher and just learning, growing. My practice is, is evolving again. And it was the same when I went back and read Life's the Witch and it re-edited and reworked it. I was like, oh my gosh, I have, I forgot about that. And of course, and oh my God, I wrote that when I was 17. Well, clearly I wasn't as fucked up as I thought I was because I had that going. So I was, it gave me, it was an anchoring, a sense of anchoring. And um, I think it's really important sometimes to sort of strip back things to the bare bones and re revisit a lot of the stuff that's formed the foundations of our, of our personal practice. And um, so teen magic coming out as it is, it might be a book that you would enjoy looking at. And, you know, especially if you read the original versions of life's a witch, you might look at it and go, wow, it's so interesting to see how witchcraft has evolved for the newbies coming out. Mm. And what can I learn from that? You know, oh, don't worry, I'll be buying it because yeah. like <laughs> I will too. And I have the excuse because I have an 11 year old daughter. So, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good because there's be something you can read together, something you can look at together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because 11 it's, you know, there is a, there are sections in the book about, um, you know, I mean, it, it's funny. There's a section in the book. Let's talk about teen sex. And I had a teen reader. We had some readers like modern teen readers and a lot of teens are very conservative now, very PC and, more so than before. And one of them was saying, well, you do realize that people who are under 16, you know, will be reading this book and, and, you know, they shouldn't be having sex. That's a crime. And I said, well, it's not a crime to read about sex. 
and everyone does. So, you know, I thought that was interesting, but Mm. you know, that's probably the only provoke. And there's a chapter about um, drugs and alcohol and why it's, you're going to do it, but why it's not the path to enlightenment and success ultimately. So, you know, there's some stuff like that in there, but there's some really beautiful, just revisiting it again, some beautiful, uh, I'm grateful that I wrote it and, um, it's just, you know, revisiting your relationship with the earth and, and the natural world and it's and with the child's mind, you know, and yeah. it's very pure and very beautiful. So, yeah, I hope adults will enjoy the Teen Magic book too. What better way for adults to connect with their inner child yeah, than to right. target it to teens? Yeah, exactly, yeah, and just, just t- tap into that sense of the beginning, you know, the beginning of this physical body's journey of this, you know. Now, mm. I'm conscious of time, Fiona. I feel like we yes, and I do. Time. Yeah, I do have to go. I'd love to. I'd love to um, share with you guys. Like we talked about, um, a little bit of information about my tour in Western Australia. So I can even hold up the poster if anyone's looking oh, on YouTube. Okay. I don't know if it'll work though. I've oh, got to put it in front there we go. Oh, there we go. But anyway, it's on FionaHorn.com. All the tour details. The reason I'm touring Western Australia this October, um, and I'm touring. Uh, Saturday the 17th of October at Quill Collective in Vass, Saturday 24th of October in Sanctuary Sisu in Mandurah, uh, Sunday the 25th of October, Sonar Room in Fremantle, Thursday the 29th of October at the Bodhi Tree Cafe in Mount Hawthorne, and finally the weekend of Friday the 30th of October through to Sunday the 1st of November, I'm going to be at Sisterhood Rising, which is an amazing women-only event um, Damn. I'm really blessed. And while Wild Tribe, Wild Tribe, we put that on, um, are also presenting my tour and Tracy McPhee and all those girls are just so amazing. Um, but yeah, really beautiful opportunity to be able to tour Western Australia because I did do a tour of the East Coast. I did the Art of Witch tour of the East Coast last year um, in July and I wasn't able to get to Western Australia. Candidly, couldn't afford it. Who pays for all this stuff? Me. Yeah. It's like, and then I hope the ticket sales will help me balance out how much it costs to hire venues and do the publicist thing and the posters and everything. It all comes off my, out of me. And then, then hopefully it, you know, makes its way through. So this, this tour is very much a labor of magical love. Um, and I'm really hoping people will come out and uh, we can, uh, I want to offer my best, uh, I guess, magical tips over the last 30 years, um, pull some cards, uh, do some spell and ritual work, do a Q and a with the audience and, and talk about, um, you know, finding our ways through these challenging times as witches and how we can use our magic to help and heal ourselves as well as others um, as, as we do live in confronting times right now. Um, so, yeah, and I'm also going to add a whole section in about magical um, foraging and fossicking for tools, for magical tools, because finding a lot of people just... You know, it's not as easy to just order stuff online right now. It's like postage. Oh, yeah, that's like every, you know, and not, and not that you should. Like, so how can you walk outside into your natural environment, yeah. even if you live in the city, and even if you've only got one-hour visits to the park a day because of bloody COVID restrictions? Well, what can you do about foraging and fostering magically to create um, altars and shrines and, and uh, tools for magical work? How can you do all that? Um, without all the usual props and conveniences and that. So I'm going to offer a little bit of that in because I've, as I've become a very nomadic witch, I've found myself getting quite inventive and resourceful with, with on the spot witchcraft, you know? Um, So I want to offer that as a part of my, my tour this time too, which I didn't offer last year, but it seems timely to do that now. I think that's good. But no, um, and also for our listeners, Adelaide. <laughs> I've just put that out. It'll happen at some point. I couldn't get to Adelaide. I couldn't get to Adelaide last year because the the hiring of venues was so exorbitant there. I just couldn't do it. And no. yeah, and I it was just really really hard. And um, I've been able to hire venues here. Um, I've got got lucky with a couple. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm just taking this little That's little it. punt. See how it'll work out. It'll. I mean, the universe called me to do it. I know it'll all work out. Yeah. That's it. it. Mm. Worst case scenario, if she comes back to Melbourne, you can just come stay at my place. Yeah, oh, cheers. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just literally, no hotel. We'll all just hang oh, out at no, Darren's. Okay. No worries. We're going to have a good old witchy, woo-woo, kind of like whatever gathering Perfect. in our place. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, but yes, for our listeners, we will be posting um, some promotional material for Fiona on our um, Instagram and on our Facebook. So guys, please. Thank you. Out. Um, and please and everything's on my website too, fionahorn.com. Um, I, I do my website myself as well. So I've made sure that everything's up to date and the links, the tickets for the West Australian tour are available through ticket booths. So the links are there and the links to the Facebook event pages for each events there. And 
Um, some of the venues are cafes, so they'll be offering food and um, the bar at the Sonar Room's open and most of the events are e- afternoon, evening events too. So anyway, if there's any Western Australian listeners, I'd really love to meet my, my Western Australian magical community. I haven't toured here for 20 years. That's how long it's been since oh, I, I was able to tour Western Australia. So I'm really, really grateful to be here and looking forward to catching up with people who are out here. So just recapping for everyone, we've got The Art of Witchcraft, which is available from all major bookstores. Um, you also have Magic of You, the Oracle deck, which you can order from, well, you can order online if you're stuck in Melbourne like me. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, every, everything's online. It's all, yeah. it's all online. And you can even, by going to fionahorn.com, I've got links there. And, but everything's available through Amazon and Booktopia and all that good stuff. My autobiography, this one, I've got a yeah. copy of it, Naked Witch. Here it is. Um, that's out as well. And then some of the older ones too, like you can still get this one, my original US UK version. Yeah, it's it's those two books. It's those two books combined into this one. The 20th anniversary one of this just came out in the US and the UK. But I love that you've got those two originals. I know, these are my originals. Yeah, they're rare. That's so Well, I bet this one's not available anymore either. (laughs) <laughs> well actually pop goes the witch can you believe they're still selling it it's still what got a few going but life's the witch is now a collector's item but it'll be replaced by the yeah uh, i might just post it to you and get you to you know <laughs> yeah oh don't don't put it in the post so the post is really no, no, weird no. i'll just come to, i'm hoping hoping to come to melbourne early next year if covid lifts there's a goddess gathering happening so we'll have to connect then Please it's going to happen in march the girls moved it from november to march so Awesome. Well, that'll be getting announced soon. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to Fiona. Oh, I'm like, I feel like this isn't like someone who I've just met. I feel like we've known yeah. you. Before. Yeah, I feel like we've known each other forever. So, well, there's kindred spirits, you know, we're, we're three witches having a conversation. It's all good. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time again. And guys, um, we hope to hear, uh, you guys will hear from us, sorry, next Wednesday. So this one will be coming um, live. Actually, no, I shouldn't say it's coming live next week because they're going to hear it when it's live. I know, when it's live. Well, I just want to say thank you again, guys, for letting me be the first guest on your awesome new podcast. And um, just, yeah, I'm very honoured. So thank you. I'll be sharing it on all my platforms. Yeah. I'll send you, Fiona, I'll send you the little tile that I've made for the scene. <laughs> Like it first. Yes, please. Yeah, so I can put that up for sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. wonderful. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for being All right. Here. Well, thank you, guys. Bless thank be. You. Bye. Talk Bye. to you next time. Bye. 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 Enjoy. Bye. Thank you. You too. <laughs>